Hello, and welcome to Chat to the Future, a podcast you can find only here on Work Radio. I'm your host, Victoria Taylor, joined by Preeti Trivedi. Hey, Victoria. Hey there. So we're so excited to have with us today one of our illustrious WeWork members, Michael C. Bryan. Illustrious. That's a really good word, isn't it? Well, Don't you want to like say it, like skip down the street and just say illustrious. The illustrious Michael C. Bryan. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. You're very sweet. We're Thank so you. excited to have you with us. Thank you. So a little bit of what we do here on Chad to the Future is we get to learn about awesome WeWork members such as yourself um, and mix in a little bit of sci-fi and movie references along the way. So just to kind of get things started, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. Uh, I am what I term myself at many different things. I'm a writer. I'm a success coach. Um, I don't know what the frig a success coach is. So when I say it, it cracks me up. People are like, what does that mean? It just means that I'm alive. So that's a success. And I'm sort of like saying to people, if I can be here and feel as good as I do after all that I've been through that um, everybody can, they really can. And that's what I try to pay for it. It's just, if you can come from crap, which is what I came from, but realize that's really fertile soil. It's sort of like the idea about Buddhism, that the flower grows out of the, the, that's really true. I mean, the flower can't grow unless it grows in manure. So what we think is manure is actually the beginnings of fabulousness. That's amazing. So because you are a successful success coach. I know even I stumble over. I'm a success coach. There's a lot of, there's a lot of C sounds there. What do you think about AI's artificial intelligences being the coaches of the future, like in the movie Her, uh, where you have the character Samantha, who is literally just a disembodied presence that lives in your phone that encourages the character played by Hakeem Phoenix to be his best self. You know, when, you know we, we sort of like, when you talked about this with me, it was funny because I wrote a TV show about the singularity and it was talking about uh, Ray Kurzweil and about the singularity, what it's about. And I was the guy that used to sit in there inside um, the room with the writer's room talking. I'm like, what's the singularity? Like, what is it again? Like, is it exciting? Is there a car chase? I don't understand. <laughs> so when I started to understand the singularity is about the blending of the humanness of who we are and technology, really what I was trying to get around and what you're saying with AI, where's the emotion? You know, cause we're emotional beings. And for me, it, the only thing I can teach anyone, if there's no such thing as teaching people as a coach is like, what is your emotion? saying to you right now? What are your emotions? You're in control of your emotions. And if you know that, then you're set. So to AI and singularity and coaching, it's sort of like, okay, I understand that, but where's the emotional component and, and how does that fit into the idea of AI? And when Ray Kurzweil is talking about singularity, the mixture of intellect, technology, and emotion that I'm intrigued with, but the emotional component, I can't get my head around like what happens if you don't have an emotional guidance system to guide you. And that's why we're alive. It's the emotional guidance system. Do you think the AIs will develop emotions? I think that's the interesting question, right? I, I don't see how. And that's what I want to know. But uh, Ray Kurzweil talks about we don't know how that there's going to be an integration. We, we can't possibly see how this is going to expand. It's going to expand and get bigger and bigger. You know, I always think of Annie Hall every time I hear that expansion, you know, where she's like, you know, tell Dr. Flydman what you're trying to say, whatever his name is, well, the earth is expanding and the earth is expanding. We're all going to blow up. And she's like, what is that your business? You're here in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is not expanding. That's always what I want to, I always want to yell that to success coach people, but I don't. So that's my thought on AI. That's beautiful. I mean, I was thinking if you, it's really great that you're focusing specifically on emotions because I think a lot of the focus on AI is about having a concrete task to do or that if I do X, Y, and Z or I follow these specific steps that I'm going to achieve success. But it, you're saying that it's really important to include the more human side of you and how you feel about things, not just what you're doing. 
Well, I mean, yeah, because people in business, they, they want to they chart, they want to graph, right? And I'm like, well, that's awesome. Sure, I can give you a PowerPoint. I can give you a graph. But that's not where the fun is. The fun is where you get excited for what it is you want and you get that silly tickle feeling. You don't know how it's going to come out, but, and then you sort of chill out and just sort of let the ideas that are going to bring you to the place that you're eventually going to go come to you. And that's the creation. So if you've already got a set plan, I mean, that's friggin' boring. I mean, we're emotional beings. Like if the only thing that, when I say to people, why are you hiring me to coach you? Why on earth would you? And they go on and on my marriage and you know, my money and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you, you want to be happy. You want to feel peace. You just want to be happy. And if you're determined to never close your heart, determined to never close your heart, never close your heart, never, even when your mother comes over, then you're living. And then you're really feeling the general peace that you were born to feel. So I'm all about the human exchange and understanding of emotion. How emotion is really what we've got. That's our currency, right? So I understand game plans and things as such. I just know that I get very bored when I do that. <laughs> so I can't do that much. Well, if we're thinking about sci-fi and fantasy mentors that do think about emotion, mostly negative ones, fear, anger, the dark side, you think about Yoda in Star Wars. Do you think that Yoda qualifies as a life coach? Okay. When this came up initially, I lost my mind because <laughs> Yoda is like... My bitch. I hope I can say that. Can I say bitch? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Yoda's like We'll pretend the dude. he said Muppet. Okay. He's my Muppet with a very big hole in the back. Yoda's awesome. And here's why. When I was very young, I went to IML and I thought I was going to work in special effects. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Marin County. I'm going to work in movies. I'm going to work on Star Wars. Yeah, dude. I was like obsessed. I was the dork, which is funny being a gay dork. It's kind of hard to date boys, you know. And um, when I went down there, I met George Lucas. And George Lucas had this giant hanger and, and, and I get this giant hanger behind me and, and, and I said, what's the hanger? And he's like, don't worry about a kid. So we're walking around and I'm talking about, you know, IML and I want to work at IML. He's like, we keep passing the hanger. I'm like, what's behind the hanger? He's like, don't worry about it, kid. <laughs> well, out of the folds of darkness comes this man, this man with a huge gray beard. And he looked at me and now I was a huge nerd. So I knew who this was. This was like, this was, this was Trumbo. who was the guy 2001. He was like, Oh, the special effects dude. So George Lucas went out to do something. And I said to him, I said, What's behind the curtain? So he looks at me with this little wink in his eye. He pulls the curtain back. It was the original Millennium Falcon. Whoa. Whoa. Drop the mic. (laughs) That's it. That is a mic drop right there. That is a frigate. And I was like, is this the original? He's like, yeah. So he took me around it and he showed me all the details. And he said to me, here's the interesting part. We think we know how things are done, but do you know how we made the ships fly? I said, oh, yeah, you put them around like strings and you had to throw them around and you had to like build a huge area. And he's like, watch this. So he hits a few buttons. I hear this. And down comes this giant camera. And the camera makes a circle around, goes under, goes through. And he's like, look over at the monitor. And it looked like the ship was flying. He goes, this hasn't even left the spot. We just moved the camera. And that's when I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that my perception was one thing, but reality is another. So I realized at a young age, anything was possible. And I spoke to George Lucas after and told him this. He's like, you know why I made up Yoda, right? You know why Yoda is Yoda? And I was like, no, why? He's like, I had a car crash and I was very young. And when I was young, I realized there was something more than anything we see. There's something bigger out there. There's a force. So Yoda was sort of his understanding of what the force is. So what was awesome about Yoda, when I first saw Star Wars that I loved 
was Yoda had this quote, which I thought was really, really cool. And Yoda says, in a dark place, we find ourselves and a little more knowledge lights our way. So it's not about being a badass and like not loving the darkness. It's loving the darkness. And that's where you really discover who you are. And the loving and appreciation of that is how you come into knowing who you are. So that's why I love Yoda. And that's my Star Wars story. That's amazing. True story. It was great. I was, I was 19. <laughs> was, no, no, 16. 16. You just won at everything. <laughs> at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the Joseph Campbell stuff, like you talk about reluctant heroes, right? Well, Joseph Campbell, the refusal of the call, that's the point. That's all of us. We have a choice where we're either going to go into the dark cave or not. And it's when we go into the dark cave, it's our hesitation before we take action. Most people hesitate and don't take action. I find that interesting. Human, real. And that's, and that's why we need a Yoda to do or do not. There is no try. Yes, but more than that, we need a Yoda to say, you're terrified, you got to crap your pants. Oh, that's really good. Because then you find out who you really are. So don't try to avoid it. Ah, go ahead, wear it depends and still go into the cavern. <laughs> well, speaking of embracing destiny, um, obviously Morpheus in the Matrix is kind of the ultimate life coach. He's trying to inspire Neo to advance to another dimension. And uh, Neo doesn't even really live a real life until Morpheus shows him how to wake up to reality. So what life lessons would you take away from that character? Oh, God, she, she, you really want to bring up the Matrix with me. Are you serious? The Matrix. Morpheus. I mean, you know where Morpheus comes from, right? That name? Dream, yeah. Well, it's the god. I mean, it's the god of dreams and from Metamorphosis, Ovid's Metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. So you know that, right? And you know who Morpheus' dad was? That's the really interesting thing. The god of sleep. The god of unawareness. The god of hiding, which I find really interesting. So what's interesting is that when you talk about Morpheus and you talk about Morpheus showing Neo, who's the one, mm -hmm. obviously, what it's more about is sort of like helping us to understand that our dreams about what we want to be is really what these heroes are showing us and that we create our own reality. The thing that everybody says hippies talk about is true. We create our own reality. We just have to move the camera. We just have to move the camera. See how you seamlessly put it together. You're just so smart. If you were a boy, I'd date you. <laughs> My goodness. Somebody warned Peter. <laughs> I, I give you the next oh, question. Oh, Peter. I love Peter. <laughs> well, you talked a little bit already, Michael, about reluctant heroes. Right? And there are a lot of reluctant heroes. And that is part of the whole, as you mentioned, Joseph Campbell and um, how he, the myth of heroes works in terms of refusing that first call. So why do you think that is so popular in stories. And do you think that, how do you think that um, people can overcome that in their real lives? Oh, I don't think you want to overcome it. I think you want to be resistant. I think you, you want, want to be resistant. Oh my God, totally. You totally want to not do the thing you want to do. You got to really be afraid of it. Because if you're not afraid, it's not worth it. It's sort of like, you guys asked about resistant heroes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you had talked about this and I think this is true. I was trying to think of who they were. Then I thought <laughs> the guy who always came up to me is kind of the guys I'm attracted to, like hobbits. I think they're like really hot, except for the feet thing. And I, it's true, the feet thing grossed me out. There's so, I mean, those actors are walking on those giant hairy feet. I mean, shave the feet, all right? <laughs> I would date them except for the feet. But in The Hobbit, he's a total reluctant hero. He's bitching and moaning and pissing all the way to doing this thing, right? Mm -hmm. I think the idea that's interesting, that the reason I think we love them is that they're, 
not like, oh, yes, let's go and do this. But they're like, oh, crap, are you kidding me? I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. They're real. They're honest. They're authentic. They're saying they're scared. They're saying they're not interested in doing this. They're not here to save the world. They're here to save themselves. But by saving themselves, they save the world. So, you know, it's, it's those, those reluctant heroes are interesting. It's that refusal of the call that Joseph Campbell talked about. And I was thinking about this, you know, uh, North by Northwest. Do you guys know that movie at all? Mm-hmm. He was an awesome like Hitchcock was really good at taking the poor guy who is ordinary and throwing him into a terrible situation. We identify so much because they're us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that people really respond to those stories because they are often in situations when they're afraid where they're in which they're afraid. And they like to think that if they were put in a situation in which they were afraid that they would eventually have the strength and the perseverance to get through it. And to go back to talking about Lord of the Rings, because I could talk about that all day. I live What's interesting is that you've got the reluctant heroes, right? And the hobbits and the, and many of the people in the fellowship and the people that you distrust to your point are the ones who aren't afraid of the journey. People who really, really want right. to go why, after why, it. Why do we distrust them? You tell me. No, you tell ex- me. You're very smart. You've got this twinkling thing in your eyes. You're, I wish everybody could see her. She's just absolutely, she, it's hard to look away from her, actually. And I keep trying to, I keep turning over here because she's got this wonderfully voracious brain. Why do you think? Because I would thought about this a while before I came in today. Like, why do you think that you trust, uh, not, not Bilbo, what's his name? I always forget. Brodo. Oh my God, I love you both so much. <laughs> You're so awesome. We had it on the ready. Bro. Right, it was Brodo. like, oh my God, it was like, you know, right on time. It was like, Barry Pippin, girls. we yeah, got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, why, why do like, like, I trust him too. Like, why is he the voice of reason when other people who are so quick to acquiesce to the journey are not? Why? To you. I'm asking you. Um, I guess part of it, like you said, is that it's more of a reflection of yourself. If you were in that situation, you'd be a little bit nervous about it. But I think that we're also distrustful of people who want power or are, are very willing to put themselves in the line of danger because... We think there must be something inherently wrong with someone who chooses to go into a very dangerous situation voluntarily. Yeah. And that they must be after something right. else. Right. And I also think it's going back to Yoda, who Yoda said, you find ourselves in the dark side. So a reluctant hero is one who lives in the dark side. And we're like, well, yeah, it's the voice of reason, meaning the voice that is afraid to go there. But we trust people like that because that's, that's how we would feel in that situation. It's not realistic otherwise. And the totality of being human is not wanting to like fart my little ponies and like burp glitter all day. Although I would love that life. (laughs) That's my dream life. It's about saying that the trampoline goes down and then you have to go back up for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like when you're sick, what do you really want more than anything else? Your mom. Your mom. I wouldn't (laughs) want my mom. Trust me. It's like Joe friggin' Crawford. Chicken soup. But what do you want to feel? Why do you want the chicken soup? Warm. Yeah. You want to feel better, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't have that desire to feel better if you didn't feel like crap, right? Mm-hmm. True. Surprise. That's the point of life. Contrasts. Contrast is everything. I'm obsessed with that word. I love you so much. Oh my God, marry me. I love you so much. <laughs> so obviously we've talked a lot about mentor figures and the reluctant hero in sci-fi. What's your favorite sci-fi movie? Oh my gosh. I can't believe it came to mind. I'd say the first thing that comes to mind. I was going to first say The Matrix because, oh my God, this is going to be why. Because I had a sad childhood. It was silent running. It was this, oh my God, you don't know it. OMG. No, no, no. That's right. the one where you're... Bruce Stern, he's in the middle of space with that robot. Yes, a little one. And mm-hmm. they're in the environmental capsule. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. robots are really cute. They're clunky and they're square. But they were like pre... And you have to take care of the trees. And nobody else wants to take care of the trees. And he like has to freak out and save them all. Exactly. I remember yeah. that movie. It was about coming to grips with your place in the universe. It was about coming to accept it. It was about 
how you're part of the cosmos. I spoke to someone today on a podcast, talked about, you know, she said she had a dream and she had a dream that there was a giant thumbprint on the cosmos pressing upon it like a piece of cloth. And I thought, wasn't that cool? And I'm like, what did you get? How'd you feel when you came out of the dream? And she said, I was at such peace because I realized we're all connected, but we have a choice about putting our own personal imprint on the, on the cloth of the universe. Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. That is beautiful. And in, in silent running, Bruce Dern was so alone in space and trying to find who he was. And there was a sadness and a melancholy to it. And he has to save all the trees. Save all the trees and save himself and save the, ah, ooh, oh, this is, oh, 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 did you get this? The robots, which were human to him. They were very well, cute. Look at that. They were cute little square robots. They were cute. They were his kids. They were his companions. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, there were a lot of movies like that that were environmental in nature in the 70s, and they were really good and really, really unsettling. Good. They got under your skin. Like Soylent this... Green? Yes. Soylent Green's <laughs> the answer to everything. Oh, my goodness. We were talking about Soylent Green earlier today, and I think, think that everybody should watch that movie at least once. Yeah, I think it should be a musical, too. A musical? We've got the palettes. Let's get them now. Watch out. Here comes Charleston. I'm Wait, joking. are you... Are you going to actually make Soylent Green the musical? Well, don't put it past me. You know I write TV shows, so I, I think could. you should. I think I should write Soylent Green the musical. I think that the time is now. The time is now. The time for Soylent Green has come. Yes, Hashtag it, Soylent Green the musical. I think that it would be amazing. It would be gorgeous. It would bring people to, to think about all these issues. Yeah, and we could make it vegan friendly. I'd be a... You're just trying to get me to crack up. Yeah, well, I can't help it because I love you so much. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I am now... Right now, by the, by the way, I'm farting my little ponies. Oh, my Looking God. at you. <laughs> well... Uh, everyone should watch Silent Running. And where can people... And obviously, you know, you do coaching services. Do you work with people all around the world? Like, is, is time and space not a barrier object to working with you? Time do you also work with people on in other planets or other alternate realities? I think after this conversation, I don't? Absolutely. <laughs> I live for those other planet people. They're my people. Bruce Dern, you don't have to hang out with the robots anymore. You can... Really? It's okay. Come out, Bruce. There's another Emmy coming. I know it. How can, how can people get in contact with you? Well, of course, uh, the website, uh, www.mcbhappier, M as in Mary, C as in cat, B as in boy, happier.com. On there, you'll see all the, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at MCB Happier, everywhere. Uh, Veronica Yuri, I have to give a shout out, U-R-R-E-A. She works with me, and so she'll reach out to people if they want. You know, I, I always, whenever anybody asks me that, I feel like I might be selling a Chrysler. I don't want to sell a used car with this work because, <laughs> because you know what I mean? Yeah, no, It's no, cheese ball. No, no, it's not cheese ball. It's about how do you, because you are such an interesting, unique person, how, how can people get in touch with you, work with you? If someone's in California or listening to this podcast or if someone's in Amsterdam and they're listening to this podcast and they want to reach out and they say, Hey, this guy sounds really interesting. I would love to get his insights, connect with him, learn a little bit more about his perspective. That's what it's all about. Can I say something to them real quick? Yes. When people come to meet with me, there's this perception that they have to be something. They're trying to become something that they have to heal. We're all healed already. We just forgot. Do you know what I mean? Nobody needs me to tell them anything. They know how to live their life. But sometimes we just need someone to say, put these batteries into your flashlight and then you can see. That's what that's the way I feel about this work. It changed my life. It transformed my life. I was a guy who suffered from clinical depression, anxiety. I was a teen who tried to kill himself. I was a sex worker, honey, as a teen. Homeless teen sex worker. And here I am alive, paying forward this idea that you can be anything you want. Just you deserve it. You're worthy of it. That's the only thing I want to do with this work. Well, 
That's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. Yeah, my pleasure. And then hashtag Soylent Green, the musical. Let's not drop this idea. Let's go for dinner and talk. No, no, no. no. It's going to happen. Victoria said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I believe Victoria's magic. I think you just need to write many previews of all the songs. What's going to be the big show-stopping musical spectacular? It's people. It's people. People People who eat Eat people. people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And we got Phil. Yes. When you you get the guy who's running the whole show, then you know you succeed. (laughs) This is actually the third time he started laughing like that. So I think that's a good sign. That's That's beautiful. Thank you guys so much for listening. Visit Michael on the web at mcbhappier.com. And uh, thanks for being a part of Chat to the Future. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day, everyone.